Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. When you feel hopeless and helpless, you can count on his compassion. He doesn't have compassion fatigue. Sometimes we do. You know, you work with somebody, and if you're in social services, if you're in counseling, if you're in some type of profession where you're involved with people, there's such a thing as compassion fatigue because you give and you give and you give and you have nothing left to give, but he gives from unlimited resources. Reaching up high, with arms open wide, we see You're changing our lives, so we can be our heads and feet Have you ever felt completely overwhelmed? Do you feel abandoned, lonely, or afraid? The good news for the downtrodden is that we serve a God of compassion who gives us grace and mercy when we cry out to Him. In today's message from the book of Luke, Pastor Ed reminds us that God walks with us and holds our hand through difficult times. Unlike men, Jesus does not grow weary or turn away when things get tough. He will always be there for us in times of hardship and stress. Now here's Pastor Ed with part one of today's message entitled, God Helps His People. The most difficult of all funeral services is a funeral service for a child, for a young person. It's said that of all the funerals on the family, when a parent has to bury their child, it's no more difficult than that. Someone who could speak to that with authority is a man by the name of Joseph Bailey. Both him and his wife Mary Lou lost three boys. One at the age of 18 days after surgery, the child died in the operating room. And then one at five years of age to leukemia. And then one at 18 years of age in a sledding accident. And so when Joseph Bailey or Mary Lou speak on death and children, people listen. Listen to what they wrote. Of all deaths, the death, that of a child, is most unnatural and the hardest to bear. In Carl Jung's words, it's a period placed before the end of the sentence, sometimes when the sentence is hardly begun. We expect the old to die Separation is always difficult, but it comes as no surprise. But the child, the youth, life lies ahead with its beauty, its wonder, its potential. Death is a cruel thief. There was an older man in his 80s, and he was visiting the graveyard, the cemetery, and he went to where his tombstone was, They had purchased a plot and purchased a tombstone. And there the date of his birth was etched into the stone. And he reached down and felt the place where they would etch in the date of his death. And he was talking to one of his children about it. And then he walked 
a few steps over to another gravestone. And he began to talk about his child who had died. And it was like it happened yesterday. He told about how the doctor wanted to take his child's tonsils out because he was always having trouble with colds and coughing. And they said, okay. And after the surgery, the doctor gave him the wrong medication. And that child died. And he talked about how at the funeral, his wife stood up and pointed her finger at the doctor and says, all your fault. And when he told the story, it was like it had happened yesterday, even though it was more than 50 years ago. Mr. Bailey says, he talked to a man in the 70s and he took out this worn out photograph and he said, here's my child. And that child had died in youth. And again, it was like it was fresh, something that just happened. This woman was a widow. Years before, she lost the light of her life. Her husband died. And in that culture, to lose your husband was to be cast into poverty, was to be thrust on to the generosity of others, to be perhaps reduced to begging. Her one consolation was that she had a son from that marriage and that son would one day be (coughs) her social security. One day that son would take care of mom. But now, an old wound opened up because of a new wound. Her son is dead. Jesus comes to us at our lowest points, in the most difficult hours, in the most tragic of circumstances. And he is the resurrection of our hope. Look at the Savior's compassion. The text is beautiful. Luke chose the strongest possible word to express compassion. He, you see him overflowing with compassion, our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 13, when the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Jesus was moved to the depths of his being. Again and again in the Gospels, you see the fact that Jesus was moved with compassion. In John chapter 11, the Bible says that at the tomb site of Lazarus, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. No one came with a petition to Jesus. Would you do something for this woman's son? No one interceded with him. No one asked him. Don't you like it when God gives unexpected blessings? When just out of the bounty of his mercy, the bounty of his compassion, he just reaches down and does surprising things for us. Jesus has not changed. 
He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is. What he was, he is. And what he is, he will be. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. He is continually and constantly moved by compassion. In Isaiah 63, 9, it says, In all their grief, he also suffered. And he personally rescued them. In our suffering, he suffers. Jesus looks at us empathetically. He feels the pain that we have. Yeah, he knows us by name. And he's moved with compassion. That should give you, it should give me the assurance that in a time of trouble when hope is dead, that Christ could resurrect that hope, that Jesus Christ could come into the darkest day in the most difficult time, in the most distressing moment, and he can turn things around on the inside for us. Now, Jesus' compassion is extraordinary. So much of our compassion comes out of our sinfulness and our selfishness. We love to be loved. We give because something is lovely in the person we're giving to. But Jesus loves unconditionally and gives selflessly. And he's moved with compassion. He's not changed. He's ascended to heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father. And he ever lives to make intercession for the saints. So he's praying for you even now. And I believe his prayers are filled with compassion. In Lamentations, it says, His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. In Hebrews chapter 4, it describes the ministry of Jesus in the heavenlies. Listen to the words. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone on through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who is tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When you feel hopeless and helpless, you can count on his compassion. He doesn't have compassion fatigue. Sometimes we do. You know, you work with somebody, and if you're in social services, if you're in counseling, if you're in some type of profession where you're involved with people, there's such a thing as compassion fatigue because you give and you give and you give and you have nothing left to give, but he gives from unlimited resources. He never gets fatigued with that repetitious prayer that you send up to him. He never gets fatigued with your prayers. He's compassionate. He's moved. I received an email. Pastor, we're coming to church. Would you pray for us? My aunt lost her husband recently, and she's grieving the loss of this loved one. My mother is struggling with a possible cancer. Could you pray? My response, certainly we will. So at the end of the Wednesday night service, as we were gathered at the altars, I spoke to Greta and said, Greta, would you pray with this family? Greta went over, began to be just weepy, just prayed. 
And afterwards, I talked to both of them. An email and a letter came back and a conversation with the other. And Greta said, as she was praying, she said, I just felt such a compassion, such a love. Uh, They said, oh, thank you for having Greta pray for us. We felt like we met with God. Well, they did. Sometimes God's way of showing compassion to you is through a brother, a sister, someone else in the Lord. Uh, Sometimes God's way of showing compassion to you is someone coming along and just listening to your story and weeping with you. We don't always understand God's ways, but he is aware of us. He knows our name. Jesus said he was moved with compassion. The text says, someone has said hope is like the sun, which as we journey toward it, casts the shadow of our burden behind us. I like that. Just start journeying towards the sun of righteousness. Start going towards our Lord Jesus Christ and you will find someone coming towards you who is compassionate, who cares, who's concerned. When your hope dies, go to the one who can resurrect it. Go to the one who can bring healing. Go to the one who can change the circumstance. I remember as a young man, the embarrassment that I carried with me as I went through school. I lived in an all-Catholic neighborhood in a time when people didn't get divorced. And I remember lying as a kid. I wasn't saved then. (laughs) But I would sometimes tell people when they asked me, where's your father? Oh, my father's in the armed services. He's serving in the military. That's why he's not here. Because we'd go to the baseball game and... I was there by myself. We'd have the teachers' meetings, and it was just mom and me, and dad was never there. And there was a wound deep in my heart. Dad wasn't there. When I got saved, Jesus took that wound, and he began to heal it. And so as I took youth ministry on and children's ministry I said to the single parents, and it was becoming more frequent in the late 70s and 80s, I said, I want to spend time with your son. I want to spend time with your daughter. And I began to mentor and become a father to the fatherless. And in becoming a father to the fatherless, God began to heal my heart. Jesus knows our hurt. And he has a way of healing those hurts. Sometimes those ways aren't always that obvious to us, but we can trust that he will do it in his good timing. Psalm thirty-three, eighteen says this, But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those who hope in his unfailing love. His heart overflows with compassion, and the midst of a funeral service where I am burying my hope. Jesus comes. It's a divine appointment. It's 25 miles from Capernaum to Nahum. There in Nain, it's a small little town. Even to today, it's maybe 200 people. 
in that small community in Israel? Jesus could have come a day earlier or a day later and he would have missed it. Or an hour earlier or an hour later or he would have missed it. Or 12 minutes later or earlier and he would have missed this crowd coming out of the gate in this funeral procession because the cemetery was a 10-minute walk from the gate of the city. The compassion of Jesus. But there's something else. He's not only compassionate, he is all-powerful. There is life-giving power. Look at verse 14. It's amazing. Jesus went over and touched the stretcher on which the people were carrying the dead boy. And they stopped and Jesus said, Young man, get up! I like the name that Jesus is given by Peter. Peter calls Jesus in Acts chapter 15, Third, uh, chapter 3 rather, verse 15, the prince of life. Here's a procession of death coming. They're beating the drums. The mother is weeping and crying. Others are wailing and mourning. Behind, the flutes are playing. They're going with this heavy sense of sadness and oppression, marching to the cemetery. On the other hand, here comes Jesus. His words filled with life and power. He's teaching his disciples. It had been a long day, 25 miles, a long walk. But Jesus was on a divine appointment. He was on a divine mission. There. Death met the prince of life, and death could not hold its captive. It's a picture of what Jesus does when he faces and encounters death. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He said, he that believeth in me shall never die. There's that hope that you and I have. I don't know if you're like I am, but every time I see a funeral procession, I try and pull my car over to the side or try and make sure that uh, I'm not in their way. Please do that if a funeral comes by. Uh, Treat the family respectfully. But as the hearse leads the way, and you see the long train of cars, I always ask, The question, Lord, do they know you? Are they saved? Are they born again? And I always pray the prayer, Lord, speak to that family. Comfort them. May they come to know you. But as this procession came, here was this woman, a nobody. Yes, a nobody. She had no station in life. She had no position She was merely a widow dependent upon the kindness of the community, the generosity of others. Her life was literally over, past, filled with sorrow at the loss of her husband, the present, filled with pain at the loss of her son, the future as bleak as bleak could be in that culture. But Jesus... He sees her and he's moved with compassion and the prince of life 
violates the custom. Really, as he steps over and touches that casket, it's an open casket, it's more like a stretcher with the young man wrapped up in linen. He goes out and he stops it. He tells the woman, don't weep. Now, you don't do that at a funeral unless you're going to raise that child. <laughs> but she says, he says to the woman, don't weep. A prophetic word because he knew what he was going to do. He was going to raise that child from the grave. And look at Jesus. Not like Elijah the prophet. Not like Elisha the prophet. Not even like Peter in Acts chapter 9. When the dead are raised, they, they, they pray fervently. They lay their body on the... They, they, fervently seek God in intercession. Look at how Jesus speaks. Hear his words. Young man, get up. Only God can speak like that. Only God can speak like that. Young man, get up. And immediately the life-giving power flows into that child's body and he sits up and he starts talking. I don't know what he talks about. Maybe he talks about heaven. Maybe he starts telling them what he's seen on the other side. But he's sitting up now. Maybe he's talking, hey, mom, I got to tell you about the angels that are beyond. I got to tell you about dad that I saw on the other side. I don't know how the conversation goes. But I know that the Bible says he starts talking. And Jesus goes up to that boy and so beautifully takes him. And gives them to his mother. Sometimes, in the midst of life, we lose hope. A relationship breaks down. A marriage is rent in two. A change in our health. Something dies within us. Jesus is the resurrection. He can raise us in spite of that situation. Now, I have seen people in the hospital ready to leave this world and step into the next world with a smile on their face, joy in their heart, hope inside of them because they know that they know who's going to greet them on the other side. See, Jesus gives us hope in the most difficult of circumstances. But I remember when Joyce was attending Southeastern Bible College, she was dating a young man. And I guess they sort of liked each other. And so Joyce told me that... um, Don't laugh yet, I didn't get started. (laughs) Joyce told me that she would write her name, Joyce Jones. That was the name of the young boy that she was dating. And it broke up. And uh, she was in a lot of pain after that. And she just wondered, I don't know. Well, God resurrected that hope when Ed Jones came along. (laughs) And she did eventually write Joyce Jones. You may be in a situation where you feel like the world crashes in and it closes in on you. And you may look and say, I don't know if I have a tomorrow. But God wants you to know that you have a tomorrow. If you're following Jesus, you're following the resurrection and the life. He resurrects hopes. It may not be the way you think or see or imagine, 
God may have something better. The Gospels are grand central station for learning about Jesus, which is the single most important part of our lives as Christians. Please join us each day as Pastor Ed teaches through the Gospel of Luke. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you can find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith and to access the archive of messages, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Building in Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Building in Faith.